episode 24 design company podcast and today we're discussing the idea of innovation from first principles and i'll introduce this one elon musk and tesla spacex boring company all this stuff has been banded around as innovation from first principles and a company that's built from first principles and the idea of first principles is rarely really discussed in the business world because most people don't seem to understand what that is. And it's a physical concept, the idea that before something becomes something, there is something else that's a building block to it. So Mm. uh, atoms are made out of protons and electrons, and those are made out of quarks and uh, God knows what other subparticles, but then atoms make up molecules and molecules make up bigger compounds, which make up materials and those materials then get turned Mm. into uh, product uh, products and so on. And so the whole thing here being, the idea of most effective management of energy because then Elon Musk would start talking about, well, hardware is harder than software because there are more atoms to move. Mm. He's literally thinking on that atomic level uh, because, because he realizes that there is an amount of energy which costs money and which costs time Mm. and resources and effort to move around to make things happen systemically. So, the, the idea here is to kind of touch and explore this innovation from first principles, what it means and what it's every, all these aspects of design company thing and how it really impacts businesses more and more as we, as we are kind of getting out of the pandemic and more into the new normal. Uh, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, uh, Brother Mo? Well, first of all, I think this is a great idea for a topic. So nice one. Really love the idea of first principles. And I'm just going to dive straight in. Like for me, ultimately, the purpose of first principle design is extremely simple. It's the ability to take any problem, forget about all the data you have in front of you, reduce it to its core fundamental components, and then start reintegrating everything you're knowing and learning on top of those building blocks. Precisely. And the idea is to strip away the Mm. assumptions, beliefs, wrong discoveries, research, Mm -hmm. partial thinking, incompleteness, and get into hook into the roots of universe in some sense that are unlikely to change because in some sense change is the only given thing that's continuously happening. Yet there are certain things that we can ground ourselves into and if we ground ourselves into those first principles then then things are less likely to collapse uh <laughs> I, I think idea ray dalio says it very well in his book principles you know it's this idea that ultimately the universe is in a constant constant search for evolution and so anytime any part of the universe follows the rules of evolution follows the fundamental rules it gets rewarded and anytime it doesn't well you know it gets uh, punished however that may be And so ultimately, this idea of first principles is to say, let's go to what the most fundamental rules are, and then let's build everything on top of that. And so this ties nicely into people, because usually a company is a collection of people in certain roles, certain assumptions, etc. A whole setup going on, right? And this setup is very subject to axioms, assumptions, people's experience, etc. So ultimately, first principles design starts with strong leadership saying 
whatever we have, let's forget all about it and let's just embrace this problem from the ground up. And what we have discovered as we worked in this whole design company, model, philosophy, software, etc., is that from the first principles, it doesn't just work well for companies, which are collections of people, but it works also for individuals as the building blocks of great companies to start off with and to even really end it off with, because if people are not benefiting from companies, then they won't, won't work. Mm. Uh, so, um, so, so the first principle of every company, and this is also sort of word principle is like the headmaster, <laughs> right? Mm. In a school, uh, so the first principle of every company is the individual that needs to be both empowered to work and sort of exercise their gifts and talents. And we spoke about gifts you know, mm. in previous episode, but everyone's been gifted somehow by, by talents that they have. Certainly I see that with my eight-year-old daughter who is an amazing tennis player as soon as she took the racket, she was swinging at that ball much better than I could ever swing at. Uh, so some people are just more gifted than others in certain areas. And that those first principles ought to be uh, exercised in companies to the best ability so that the company can build out from those individuals into, into collectives and the true company uh, behavior. So... Yeah, so, so let's look at an example of first principle design. You mentioned Elon Musk. I quite like the SpaceX story, right? So it, it initially started out with Elon, like I think, wanting to send a, a bunch of letters to Mars. So he went to Russia once. He was like, hey, guys, can you sort me out with some decommissioned international continent, intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs, <laughs> uh, previously used for nukes, but obviously since in the Cold War, not used. They kind, of have a laugh, they kind of had a laugh at him, and that was it. He went back a second time. And then, you know, he had a bit more money. So this time they took him more serious, still couldn't do it. So he went back to the US, was like, fine, I need to sort, I'll sort out my own rocket thing, whatever. And so he just looked at it, he was like, okay, well, you know, why, why are we throwing away a perfectly good rocket booster every time we launch, you know? Why does this particular, so there, there was, for example, one subcomponent, which a contractor like gave a lead time of many months for and like a couple million dollars. They did that thing in-house for four or five, uh, four or five figures, right? Yeah. So again, they, they just took every part of the rocket design process, reduced it to the essentials, say, said, okay, why is this part expensive? Okay, it's made of cobalt and nickel. Okay, what's the current price on London Metal Exchange of cobalt and nickel? Oh, okay, interesting. So where's the inefficiency coming from, right? So it's really just like taking something that seems impossible, putting it down to its component systems and subsystems, and then bringing in the right people, right? to both help us understand what the best practices are, as well as identify opportunities for innovation. And so we often think about innovation as like, oh, it's like a new thing that's gonna change the world, blah, blah, blah. Actually, for me, innovation is more about discovering what the real fundamental first principles of the universe are, and then applying those. Yeah, and this is absolutely essential in systems thinking and systems design because, um, and, and sometimes, it, education and experience can be a hindrance here because we've discussed this in the past and look up our uh, uh, 
podcast about the car industry and this actually tying in this is one of the reasons why i wanted to discuss this because tesla is disrupting the entire car industry and people are saying you know the entire car industry is having their blockbuster moment at the Mm. moment and they don't even realize it Mm -hmm. but um the, the the systems approach is saying let's remove all the slack out of this and make it as efficient as possible. And that may mean that absolutely every single sub-process within our approach might be redesigned from the ground up. And, and that's, that sounds like, oh my God, it's too much work, but actually long-term it's less work <laughs> than, than, than it is right now. Well, otherwise you end up with a corporation with tens of projects, with thousands of consultants, all working on a small piece of what's become basically a living, breathing monster of a system without actually any ability to re-articulate it from first principles. And we literally really had, when, when, I was, when I was working with Bupa, somebody went, went off and did like a spreadsheet to kind of, uh, catalog every single program program that was running at Bupa. So not even that, projects, program. Yeah, program. And it came came down to 1,200 programs. Okay, 1,200 yeah. programs. This is like half of which didn't have any kind of purpose to it. <laughs> yeah, and another bin, bunch of which I'm sure there's a bunch of duplication between them. Oh, absolutely. And this is actually typical in governments where you realize that two government departments working in exactly the same project, separate strands of funding. And, uh, you know, they, they internally, they know of it, but somehow the government doesn't or doesn't want to, or God knows what. But so first principles essential for, for uh, creating systems that are optimal. But from innovation perspective, this is very, very interesting and that's really why i wanted to discuss this because i realized one thing and it take took me on about 10 years plus Hmm. (laughs) that when you're building things from the ground up from this atomic approach you actually end up building first the most optimal solution Mm -hmm. and then you're able to slap on and integrate and design in and you know put on top the experiential the emotional aspect of that however you like but that emotional aspect is sitting on top of the most optimal thing and this is something that actually Steve Jobs was talking about in terms of the MacBook which I recently got a new MacBook and I got exactly the same one like before what I had because MacBooks are carved out of aluminium in two pieces that slot together like this. So there's very little screws or lines or mm. anything. It looks like it's one piece of uh, unibody kind of design. And, you know, Steve Jobs said there's only one way in which that can be manufactured. And we're manufacturing in that way. And that's it. So the MacBook can only look the way it does because it's perfectly manufactured and engineered from the ground up in the most optimal way. And it's timeless, you know, it's timeless. I had my previous MacBook for seven, eight years and literally died of old age. And I'm planning to, you know, use this one for seven, eight years also. And so it's well worth it 
And that's real value and true innovation. And I think that's why there's only really one laptop company out there, and that's Apple. So I think we talk about the product side of thing. For me, I'd like to look a bit at employee experience when we're taking a mm -hmm. first principles approach. Mm -hmm. So I, I do this actually with our team at Anya. It's a bit annoying now and then, but I always tell people, if you're annoyed, just express yourself. We're open to the <laughs> organization. But very often in the middle of a conversation, I have absolutely no problem stopping someone that's going off and talking about something and saying, okay, that's cool, but let's just get to the essentials. Can you answer yeah. this, this, and that? Mm. And so I see it as my job as well to help the team that, and even myself that are working on various things to take a step back from what they're doing, look at the essentials, and then reintegrate everything else. And this is super key to keep in mind because that's what helps us stay on track, make sure we're working on the right thing, make sure we don't get on a far off location doing things we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, because we've spent enough time in our lives designing the wrong thing uh, and, and spending a lot of time building things that don't really matter. Mm. Um, and... Um, uh, so, so coming to products and, and experience, uh, there is, uh, and I'm nowadays integrating more and more and utilizing spiral dynamics and models like that to actually really uh, think about what are the core things and experiences and activities that humans really care about. And mm -hmm. in Western world or, or, or developed world, a lot of these have been certainly well pre-pandemic, they have been very well catered to, but things like Uber have, you know, kind of seemed to be collapsing somewhat and, and changing. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's sort of like shelter, food, warmth, mm. basic, you know, sense of belonging and so on are essentials, which then build out into grander and grander purposeful drives and, and self-transformation uh, drives and so on and real growth uh, potentials. And I like that you mentioned this building block aspect because that's a great way to tie into money, right? So ultimately, if you look at the money side of first principles, it's extremely simple. It costs you 100 to 1000 X less to approach a situation through first principles than to do it by trying to pull together a bunch of stuff that's just like unstructured, unrelated, unpurposeful. Yeah. And so you see this like in, um, um, you know, it's going to sometimes be careful with my words here, but you see this in uh, postmodern uh, people, let's say, where they often have these kind of grandiose visions of the future, right? New mm -hmm. systems, new uh, propositions, new innovations, right? They're all based around this kind of like, uh, what's it, Nirvana style kind mm -hmm. of ideas, right? And then when you start scratching through those ideas, you start realizing, oh, what they're proposing would involve trillions and trillions of dollars of investment just to provide basic levels of experience across that system. Mm. And like literally if you put together seven, eight governments of the world working in absolute synergistic fashion together, which governments never do, uh, you know, there wouldn't still be enough money to execute on that idea. Mm. So it's like, wow, that sounds basically that's more in the realm of sci-fi slash mm 
uh, novel writing mm -hmm. as opposed to what we're talking here. It's like designed companies, like what can you do right now with nothing or anything that you've got available to you with the people that you can access right now, you know, and it's like, let's go, right? First principle. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, and, and that's basically it. What I found is as our team at Anya has grown, my ability to be creative and think of new initiatives that we can undertake has also grown because ultimately I know the principles of our business, what we want to do, but also by going down to the essentials and looking at what resources are able to us collectively, it helps us open ourselves into new markets, experiences, etc. And that's sometimes referred to as uh, in design, some people would say, let the limitations drive innovation. Mm. What you realize is that by limiting yourself, you actually now start to think clearer as to what you can and cannot do with those resources that you do or do not have available. Well, I think, I think just I, I really want to like comment on that as well and build on that. This idea of optionality, I think this is a super important idea, something I figured out a while ago, which is that in life, there's a sliding scale between optionality and certainty. So the more options you eliminate, the more certain you can be about where yeah. you're going. Whereas mm -hmm. if you think that all the options are possible options, then you're never going to be certain about where you're going. And so that's why I have a very simple philosophy to say, okay, does this make sense? Even if it looks like a radical decision, does this make sense? You know, does it look halal? Like, is it mm -hmm. all good? Okay, boom, let's go all in. Does it not make sense? Okay, not even in my world of considerations. Yeah, and so uh, it, there's an element there, psychologically speaking, of choice paralysis. More hmm. choices you, um, you have the more likely you are to be kind of just going, hmm, well, and even feel sense of missing out, fear of missing out, that as you take one choice and you say no to seven others, you feel like you've lost out seven things as opposed to gained one. Exactly. And you're not even really sure whether that one that you've chosen was the right one because maybe the other ones were better. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but first principles approach means that you're actually always choosing the thing that not like in some sense, everything's possible, but not everything's probable. So you're exactly. going for the thing that's most probable to work hmm. and most probable to remain sustainable. And this is why Tesla is creating a, blockbuster moment for the entire car industry that has been only for most part innovating on the surface layer mm. the look and feel and not really changing the entire underpinning systemic innovation of the car itself so if you look that's actually a really good growth consideration i think if you look at first principles right when tesla set up their i think nevada factory california uh, anyway, they designed the factory from the ground up. They didn't try and get an old place and retrofit it. They designed from the ground up. So I saw some figures this morning. The average electric vehicle over its life cycle produces about 75% of the uh, carbon emissions of a normal car, which is decent, 25% gain, but it's not the electrical promise, right? What Tesla's done is go first principles and design these considerations into their energy supply, their commodity supply, their supply chain, their factory, they're set up. So, I mean, I don't have the exact figure on Tesla, but so that the, because yeah, it's important to know that half of the carbon emissions of the car and EV happen before it leaves the factory, right? Yeah. So Tesla production, doing, yeah. 
yeah, it's been everything it can to bring down the total value of that 50% in terms of carbon emissions. And so this is what we're seeing. First principles design is also about saying, you know, what are our values? Who do we want to be? And then incorporating that in all of your actions. And so this is where we're going to see the divergence between companies in the coming years. The ones that are kind of like commoditized and get just automated away. And the ones that are really purposeful and have this DNA at their core. Because what that means is you have a really synced up team and ability to act. So I found this, for example, when I'm speaking with any person in the annual team, we might disagree. And actually, as you know, we always encourage disagreement. But because we have the same fundamental value references and principles, the conversations are so easy. And so it always becomes not who's going to win the conversation, but just based on our principles, how can this conversation make the most sense? You know, whatever the inputs are, how can we achieve the best output that ties back to our principles? Yes. And so this brings about a rationale to design and building things and growing things and putting it back into people, which is that there ought to be a purposeful reasoning for why these things are done. So even though people might be subject to their biases and emoting mm. and so on, the inability to make decisions, the entire company and the system can help them make those decisions better and reduce that cognitive load that leads towards stress, depression, anxiety, and all those kind of things. Because when everything's built out of first principles, it should make sense uh, without it, uh, you know, making any sort of yeah. overhead and, on our on our heads. Yeah. And one thing I want to say as well, like you won't necessarily always have all your first principles or principles um, from day one, right? And so there's kind mm -hmm. of two principles, um, two classes of principles. There's let's say universal principles, so principles of selling, principles of doing business, principles of building good software, right? But then there's also kind of more specific principles that apply to your company, which are constitutive of your company culture. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about principles. I think ultimately building a company is building knowledge, you know, in terms of like discovering knowledge, knowledge. <laughs> in terms of discovering these universal principles and building your knowledge base, right. And diffusing that, mm -hmm. but it's also discovering these principles that are personal to your company that might not apply to other companies. And so what I always seek to do in the many new situations I am exposed to every week is to extrapolate from that situation a learning that is a principle that we can reuse. So recently we were discussing about negotiations uh, for, um, for uh, a customer contract with one of our country managers. And my whole approach in this conversation was not, okay, what are we gonna do with this customer? It was, what are we, how are we gonna handle this situation in a way yeah. that we can take this approach for the future. And mm -hmm. so that in the future, when you talk to me about another similar situation, you're talking to me, but you've already been able to progress that situation because you had philosophical parameters in which to make decisions. Yeah. yeah. And so really the goal for me is to be passing on these principles as much as possible so that by the time people are coming to me with something, they've been able to make as much progress as possible. And they don't need to come back to me every two seconds because they just know in their heart and in their soul what makes sense for us as a company. Yes. And this is 
very, very, very powerful stuff and an amazing place to conclude this conversation that really mm. when you do take things from first principles, you're actually going back into the soul of the matter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I give a shout out here to a friend, Simon Robinson, who wrote actually a book called uh, Customer Experiences with Soul. And this idea of bringing the soul back into business and companies is something that's resonating more and more as people are realizing that, hey, uh, we don't want to be living in this uh, death cult of Mm. materialistic capitalism anymore. Let's bring back the feeling good factor Mm. and uh, enjoy our work since we're stuck at home and working from home and make that make that an experiential uh, process and actually really add value and create and redesign humanity, basically. Um, so I, I know we, we are back from the holidays, but I'll illustrate that with a perfect example. So yesterday I was talking with our engineering director and we were discussing about the, the idea of uh, holidays. And I said, well, it's very simple. We have an unlimited holiday p- policy. The only policy is, you know, assume your responsibilities and make sure that you can take a holiday whenever you need it or want it. Yeah, and it reminds me of my uh, little parenting uh, matrix of integrity that I'm putting everyone through uh, to keep ourselves in check that we're we're behaving across 10 principles as optimally as possible and works perfectly uh, fine. It's amazing how how this stuff can be really applied to just about everything in life and turned into a bit of a fun, fun game to play and, and, and pleasurable thing. And by the way, for anyone who's listening uh, to this point, if you really want to take the first principles approach to optimizing and redesigning your company, we are ready to take you on board as a client through Anya design software, designed company software. And, uh, you know, we can give you a demo. We can show you how it works and how uh, the tool polls your company, every single first principle, every single employee across the company for a set of standardized questions that we've spent quite a bit of time uh, refining and defining so as you get answers to those questions, you can start seeing how from the first principles you can optimize your company and make it work as optimal as, dare I say, Tesla do, but certainly Apple and so on. And this is more possible than you might think it is. <laughs> Without needing an MBA. Exactly. Thank you very much, my brother Mo. Good one. Awesome chat. I'm looking forward. Thank you. Cheers.